Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So why do you people want us to stay at the temple? We're protecting you. From what? You've been on this island a while, right? Ever see a big pillar of black smoke, makes a ticka-ticka sound, looks pissed off? Yes. From that. Do you know anything about another plane coming in? An Ajira flight? I'm sorry, is this a press conference? I think he means the one that landed. Justin! Shut up. No, 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 that's a decoy trail. He went this way. And you're basing this on what? Experience! Aldo. What? I think she's right. Of course she is. After you, princess. So what's your strategy for bringing your boyfriend back? I hope you got one because he shot a guy on his way out. If he tries that on me, I'm going to blow his head off. Watch it. Thank you. Looks like one of Russo's traps. The French woman? She's been dead for years. This this couldn't be one of... Justin! Shut up. What was he going to say? You don't even remember me, Dean. You don't recognize me? Well, maybe this will jog your memory. Three years ago, you staged yourself a little prison break. And you did it by knocking the guard out with the butt of your rifle. That would be me. What are you doing? to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talk in season six episode three what kate does and what kate does is punch stupid aldo right in his little dumb face i'm josh wiggler joined here by mike bloom and mike it's always sunny in philadelphia but times are a little bleak here on the island (laughs) 
The weather conditions are probably the best thing going for everybody. But yes, I wanted to include this as the intro as one of the rare bright spots of this episode. Speaking of sunny, welcome back, Rob McElhenney as Aldo, albeit a much, much, much more jerkish version of Aldo when we saw him back in season three, albeit much more of a limited capacity. But uh, yeah, what Kate does, uh, she completely knocks the crap out of him and poor Justin. What does Kate do? You know... What does I, what does Kate yeah. do? Is a good this is question a, that's worth asking. This, this is not a, a great title of the episode, and we're, we're going to get this with everybody who loves Hugo, right? This idea of like, ooh, let's take little quirky titles and tweak them because again, this is the final round the blocks for Lost. Everybody loves Hugo. I think makes a lot more sense. What Kate does. I mean, I suppose quite literally applies to what happens in the episode, but what Kate did is not only a much stronger title, but in my opinion, probably an even stronger episode of Lost than what Kate does oh, yeah. is. Uh, I think what Kate does is a bad episode of Lost. I think it is probably, uh, it is the worst Kate episode, second only to uh, whatever the case may be for me, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly, competitive, um, it is, I, I think the biggest issue here is going to be the temple stuff. We've already talked about that ad nauseum that we're like really low on the temple right now, that we're feeling pretty drained with the temple stuff. And it's only, I guess, technically three episodes in. Uh, <laughs> and that's tough. That's tough that things uh, already feel kind of um, that wobbly. Um it's sort of like an aimless episode in many ways. I feel like the plot line is Kate is going to chase after Sawyer, but it doesn't totally feel like that. There's the flash yep. sideways stuff that's going to be basically like Kate and Claire's reunion, uh, even though it is not like their actual on island reunion, but it's going to be Kate running away from the law and then realizing that she was a jerk to the pregnant woman whose taxi she hijacked, so she should be better to her. There's really no major arc to it. Um, At least most of the Sideways episodes, I feel like, internally have an arc. I'm not sure that this one does, or at least not one that is like immediately popping for me, so we'll have to talk it through. Um, I think that this is just looking at the batch of... And I'm, I'm just like front-loading my 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 feels uh, right, right. here. Just looking at like the run of, of Season 6 episodes, I do think this is my least favorite episode of Season 6. Um, wow, even below... Uh- even below across the sea even where we placed it for sure so i think i'm probably going to ultimately rate this uh, higher though maybe not i don't know i put it at a 2.3 for across the sea right and i said that that large part is because it's a legacy loss number but then i was watching this episode like i'm definitely enjoying this less across the sea is at least interesting at least they are aiming for something here i think that this is like effectively second episode jitters it's like oh shit we are in the Mm. final season what the hell are we doing what do we do um you know like yeah and then and this is something we've talked about with lost in general though i mean going back to the very first kate episode of taboo la rasa yeah yeah there there always seems to be like the first episodes no matter how long they are are kick-ass and then there is some sort of significant step down with maybe the exception of something like confirmed dead right all of our episode twos have been at least like almost a 0.5 drop off from premiere to episode two. And I think it's a very similar case here of like, we hit the ground running and we, we slow things down for this episode. And it's an odd shift of momentum. And it's interesting. This is, this goes back to my own viewing experience at the time of season six versus now. I remember at the time watching this, I was 
so intrigued by the on island stuff and sort of like ah, to get me away from the off island stuff i don't care about what what kate's doing in this world where she's running away like say it's alive what the hell does that mean they want to poison him what's inside him you know all this stuff about sawyer really rich character material now watching it it has completely flip-flopped with maybe the exception of the sawyer stuff which again has a really great scene for josh holloway i think the the sideways stuff is the meteor material i mean this is very fatty meat no matter where you're cutting it but i would say on the whole i would much rather watch the off island stuff uh, and specifically that kate claire relationship which we genuinely have not seen since season three come about albeit in a different form than we're expecting but i do think maybe on paper looking back at it especially in the way everything ends it's important for kate's arc for her to have this sort of deja vu-esque reconnection with claire i think it's it uh substantiate what happens in whatever happened happened right where it's revealed why she came back to the island i think something that is tough and we talked about this a bit during our weekly viewing that we do with the patrons over at the discord level if you're a ten dollar patron of post show recaps you can watch the episodes alongside us patreon very fun patreon.com slash post show recaps as always exactly but one argument that i sort of realized is i think kate we talked about this in one whatever happened happened her arc isn't completed you know she hasn't gotten claire off the island with her but we sort of like see her end goal, right? Like she was one of the most fully completed characters to return on that Ajira flight. She had a mission. Aaron had changed her permanently and now she knew what she had to do. And so that's a little different to me than someone like Jack, who also has a unique perspective in this episode, right? Like still trying to figure out that purpose, trying to figure out how to navigate this brand new setting. And so I could imagine the writers are like, okay, we got to have a Kate episode, but like, what the hell do we do with it? And unfortunately, I think the result is this episode. Yeah, uh, I I think that it is a mostly not good episode of Lost for me. I think um, I've seen like a couple of ratings that are like relatively high. And I think that in large part, my guess would be that like that Sawyer and Kate scene on the pier, especially is really, really, really good. Um, I think uh, eat like obviously for Josh Holloway, but I think it's actually a really great Evangeline Lilly acting scene. Uh, mm-hmm. And that always makes me happy to get one of those. Um, so I am uh, I'm thinking that there's a little bit of an acting bump but for me like I I do feel like and I like I don't want to like I I'm trying not to bag on the creative. I think like you're getting into the final season there's so much anticipation behind it like I think like it can be a little hard to know like what you're supposed to do what you're going to do here but this does have this this quality of like there is uh much like Kate, she runs, right? And she's like running in circles. Like the show feels like it's doing that same thing. And then the temple stuff is like close to unforgivable for me. Uh, like the temple stuff yeah. is really just like total trash for me. This this is hearkening back to the first half of the series. Like, well, we don't know what to do with the B plot. So we're just going to have everyone kind it's of spin their wheels to use another metaphor. And again, it's a little unforgivable, in my opinion, in the sixth season, the final season of a show. After seasons four and five did such a great job of, I think, propelling so much in terms of both plot and character, I think to sit in the back pocket and spend an entire episode at the temple where it's like, uh, okay, we're going to help treat Saeed, but we don't know exactly what's happening, and we're not going to actually refer to anything about it or answer any questions about it is 
frustrating at best in my opinion yeah uh, so there's a lot to talk about i think we're gonna do it uh as uh, we're gonna like try and get through this episode as quickly as possible <laughs> <laughs> rip off the band-aid because you know, like i think like it's it, it there are some things that move the needle and are definitely worth like stopping down and like doing like the super close examination um but more than most episodes this season i think that this one is as you love to say mike big fat nothing burger um and there are a couple of other episodes this season that i think have like a not dissimilar vibe but i think this one coming mm. so early uh is uh gonna make it the the harshest one for me um is my instinct we'll see when we get deeper in i won't say which ones i'm, I'm looking at um but with all of that said let's go forth into the jungle let's talk about what kate does to your point should they have tried to like flip a different kate episode should they have done like instead of left behind they should have done like right ahead yeah, or like like the exact opposite. Do they say bad bye instead of goodbye? Yeah. I don't know. Is there is there something to uh, uh, whatever the case been, may be? Um, uh, it, instead of born to run, should it have been uh, killed for walking? <laughs> yeah, I'm walking here. Could that have been the name of the episode? Yeah, born to run, uh, mirrored with I'm walking here. Yeah, uh, I like that. I like you that. Know, at least you get a you get an episode. Uh, you get a quote from the episode as the title would be pretty good. Um, all right, it's a Kitsis and Horowitz joint. It originally airs February 9th, twenty ten. It is focused on the sideways Kate Austin, and as we begin, we start in as riveting a way as humanly possible there's your boy lennon and he's running <laughs> born to run running running barefoot we should note here that uh, i do believe i don't know if it's all the temple people but at least some significant portion of them are barefoot so i guess what echo and Jin saw in the bushes ends up bearing out with the temple people at least yeah maybe that's who they saw once upon a time was the temple others yeah, that, I know that was something that was theorized. We have a listener, Mike Edwards, who's going through our podcast. He's reached the ooh and found stuff, and I believe that's been re-theorized. That could be the case. They were going like a little field trip outside of the temple, and they happened to, to run, up, run into this group. But God, these guys are such hipsters. They're such They're freaking... So cool lost hip like dogan's typing on a freaking typewriter like what what is the purpose of that what is what are the communiques for really dogan I, yeah. i'm so frustrated with dogan in this episode yeah the internal logic of the temple others really it's very very hard for me to track uh so i think that i have given up trying uh I, <laughs> and i know that that's that might be frustrating because like you listen to the podcast probably right so like uh what what can you add to the show what can you can you like can you put this and this together and it's like i don't know that i can i really don't uh you know uh so maybe the final uh the the final season coverage of down the hatch will be uh, as frustrating as the final season of lost for some few i i'm not really thinking about trying too hard with the temple others uh i'm just trying to follow the show's lead um so lennon comes to dog and he says he's alive and uh saeed is indeed alive hurley goes to hug him i thought it'd be funny if yeah. he just like accidentally smothered saeed because he's too aggressive oh, yeah. with him i i think the listen we're gonna get sort of a machine that say gets put on that uh is reminiscent of the princess bride when wesley becomes mostly dead like i wanted hurley to be an andre the giant and like throw mostly dead saeed over his shoulder yes. and like have to carry him around for the rest of the season yeah. the dread pirates draw yeah that would be really funny uh, uh he's coming for your soul uh, yeah imagine like they they scare away smoky by having saeed stand on, on or having hurley st- stand on saeed's shoulder yeah. 
yeah. or sit on a wagon that's being carted around. I think that would be a fun Very way to good. end the series, personally. I like that. Uh, so Syed's feeling a little lightheaded. Other than that, he's fine, even though, as Jack tells him, like, but dude, you just died. Uh, meanwhile, Kate and Sawyer are watching from the sidelines, and Kate's like, how is this possible? You know, uh, mirroring the question that so many of us have, uh, although not anymore, obviously, because we know that Jack's superpowered CPR is what brought uh, Saeed back from the brink, and he mm-hmm. never actually died. Um, and I do, uh, this moment from Sawyer is like, this very fine line between season one Sawyer and like who Sawyer is now. Like it is sort of like when he's, he says about side, he's a, of course he's fine. He's an Iraqi torturer who sh- who shoots kids. He definitely deserves another go around. Um, and I think that like, there is like that bit of season one Sawyer in him with like the way that he's disparaging Saeed. Um, but then I mm. think that there is the version of Sawyer who went through the three years of the Dharma initiative and like being in like, a mature loving relationship and being somebody who learned how to like accept love and be loved and give some love back as well. Um, that is recognizing like this, this person is a child murderer. You know, he tried to, he tried to kill a kid. Uh, and like, of course, Juliet's dead, but this guy gets another shot. Beautiful. Wonderful. We love this. Um, so I feel like it is sort of like this merging of uh, Sawyer across space and time for me. Yeah, well, you know what it really reminds me of? Like, the way Sawyer is regarding Saeed here, this idea of he definitely deserves another go-around. And even last episode, right, when he's like, I'm not going to kill Jack because he deserved to suffer on this rock like the rest of us. Sawyer is really embodying Anthony Cooper for me. the Specifically, the little hot for heaven, you know, the, the first and last time they have a conversation together. And I wonder how much Sawyer is calling back to that moment because i agree i think it's not necessarily a reversion i think it is a little bit of that season one attitude but without the bite uh this idea of like him actually being really an a-hole to everybody i think it's more so pessimistic like bleak outlook on life sawyer because of him losing juliet because you know it didn't work uh according to at least what the plan was in the moment so i think that sawyer has a certain way that he's behaving at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about the OG Sawyer echoing back to that idea of like, hey, you know what? Maybe we are all in hell and we're being punished for it. And Sawyer feels mm. personally punished, which I think also factors into uh, obviously one of those leading theories and fundamental misunderstandings about the series. Uh, I really like that uh, comparison uh, that like that is now like not like now that he's like he like his life is basically over and he's back on like the island quote unquote even though he was already there but like it was a different thing it was a different time um yeah that i feel like him having like this moment to kind of like go back sort of into like the nightmare scape that was the brig and that like getting to like live rent free in his head again like the possibility of are we all just in hell um i think is a really interesting way of looking at him i like that a lot um he's telling kate like uh he's like clocked all the numbers of of temple others here she's thinking about running he thinks he can overpower them i'm thinking about running kate uh and in the sideways kate's not just thinking about running she's doing it She's hijacking a cab. She's got Claire. She's telling the taxi driver to drive. We're still at LA SpaceX. 
<laughs> yeah, but but she also tells him to slow down, and he is very understandably confused. Like, but wait, you said go. Uh, it should also be noted here that you think they use the exact same dialogue from L.A. SpaceX, but apparently it's very different. So I guess Kitsis and Horowitz just didn't correspond with Darlton of like, hey, can you just like send me the last page of your script so we can sort of compare notes here? Yeah. Uh, so maybe that is like uh playing a little bit to the unreality um we we see arst get in the way of the taxi cab he's got all of his bags and he's so annoyed i'm walking here i'm walking here i love it i love that of all people arst is the one to slow them down right but it's i mean not really because she makes the guy drive over arst luggage like all his entire uh coterie of packages are just like all of a sudden dragged under this taxi cab it's not good uh Claire's trying to get out. She's not getting out. But the taxi driver totally gets out after he runs over Arst's bags. He leaves at the red light, which is hilarious. Kate gets in the front. She takes it over. It's really... Kate's behavior in this is really strange. And I guess you could say, like, it's the attitude of she doesn't know what she's doing. So it's a little sloppy. Because, like, in this moment, she refuses to let Claire out of the cab then the taxi driver runs out and she's like, okay, you can leave now. It's it's an odd set of three actions of like, okay, if the cab driver leaves, why don't you just let her out then instead of getting into the front seat, waiting about 10 seconds and saying, okay, now you get out. I guess it just speaks to how slapshot she is. She's not really planning this stuff through. She just needs to get away as soon as possible. She's going to say to Claire at the end of the episode, what if I told you I was innocent? Would you believe me? In the sideways, do you buy her innocence? Well, I believe what happens in the sideways is that she fails to blow up Wayne, and instead, incidentally, a plumber gets blown up. So I, listen, I'm no lawyer, I do technically believe she is guilty of, like, manslaughter. She should go to prison for this, probably. Exactly, but, like, I guess is she, maybe she's applying, like, no, I'm innocent because I didn't specifically kill the person I wanted to kill, but I still think she's guilty in a pretty big way. She's trying to kill someone, someone else died. Exactly. Yeah, that's not good, that's not good. Uh, She kicks Claire out of the car, takes her her purse, and books it. Um, So back on the island, uh, we're seeing Jack and Jin and Hurley, they're helping uh, Saeed outside, uh hurley's catching uh saeed up on everything that's happening he says the others caught us again dude but they're trying to protect us this time i think and miles has this great line as you can see hurley has assumed a leadership position yes i love that miles like read the script for the end right it. he's like i know i know how this series ends as you can see just hurley the is the main character now uh <laughs> is great really really great um so i just love that sort of like winking and nodding towards the end of the series that's like a legitimately fantastic thing in this episode um not only is saeed alive mike um but his wound has completely closed and if you look at the scar it looks like a kiss like uh like a bopo. uh it looks like uh like the um, oh are you did, did bopo come in maybe. both bopos mm-hmm. yeah maybe they uh whatever is the same cloning technology they use to clone <laughs> the multiple bopos is what's in the water here uh, at the temple. Listen, season six is full of callbacks, Mike. Who are we to not call back to the time that we talked about the possibility that Bopo was was cloned? Yeah, could this be a thing where... Actually, Saeed is becoming infected, but he's turning into a Bopo. Oh my god, yeah, if like, the arc was allowed to complete that Saeed would turn into a Bopo by the end of it, if not yeah, for what exactly. happens in the submarine. 
Like he just grows ears. Like he's like, oh, I have the desire to lick my butt. All he's, of a like a, he's like a were dog. Yeah, like he turns into a dog, yeah. like Tim Allen and the Shaggy Dog. He's like a werebopo. Uh, I love this idea that Saeed is on a journey towards becoming uh, a canine. Uh, I think it's yeah, interesting. and then like he, him, and Vincent run off together. Becomes, at the end, he, they become best of buds. He becomes very loyal to uh, to the man in black, right? Like you know, very obedient, like uh, like a well trained uh, animal. Uh, is he on his way towards becoming a bopo? I think is a, a worthy question indeed. Um, Saeed's gonna thank. Jack for saving his life, but like the conversation, the sweetness is called off when Dogen and Lennon and the Temple others roll up. I think this is where I'm noticing for the first time that Dogen's always holding his shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, specifically, it's that he has a vest on and he has one hand on like the rim of a vest like if you were a kid in a high school play and you have a vest on and you're like all right you've got to look official and so what do officials do they hold they their vest that is Do that's dogan's position of power is he always has one hand clutched on his vest for whatever reason like a sixth grader playing the mayor right exactly yeah. like hold on here folks yeah oh, well how am i gonna convince people i'm just a sixth grader well if i hold my vest perhaps they will know <laughs> that i command authority and maybe, and maybe that just shows again this episode is gonna prove like just how how much of a man behind the curtain he's a pharisee dogan is and maybe that was the first indicator is that he's very much acting like someone he's not it is so important for me uh if not for the audience then at least for myself to continuously say out loud how much i love as an actor hiroyuki Sonata, how much I love as an actor, John Hawks. It's, I, I, I love them both. I think they're great performers. I think they're excellent. It is not working. Uh, it is not working <laughs> here. Uh, as Dogan and Lennon come out, they want Saeed to come inside. Jack has some questions. He starts giving them some guff. They give him some guff back. A fight yeah. breaks out. Uh, oh, this is terrible. This is... I had to rewind it several times just to like gawk at its gloriousness it oh is oh my god you li- you've lived long enough to see yourself become the gawker <laughs> yeah exactly well it's just like it's you specifically either the die shot an 815 or or live long <laughs> enough to become a gawker and then summarily go down and fire yeah. arrows but th- there's this one shot where they like push miles up against the wall that looks terrible and like one of them just sort of like jostles hurley slightly it's very clear that they gave them no guidance they just told these temple others like yeah just rough them up a little bit and these guys are like i i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing here uh, okay tussle 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 I suppose we should do something like it's compared to especially what happened last week. It's it abundantly reeks of we don't know what we're doing. Yeah, it's just a little tough. Uh, Sawyer like mercifully breaks the situation up. He gets a gun. Um, he shoots a temple other. Is that right? I mean, apparently uh, that's what that's what Aldo says off screen. Yeah, I missed that. Uh, so he shoots a guy. Uh, wow, Sawyer. Uh, and then he holds the gun at everybody uh, and says, uh, I'm getting out of here. I'm gone. Uh, so uh, much like the man in black's real name is special is Sawyer's new alias gone. Oh, uh, so maybe he's really going back to Anthony Cooper. He's taking on a new name and everything. I'm gone, baby. Gone. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's when Ben Affleck comes uh, in. He ho- uh, it's also it's also noted here that I believe Dogen does speak English here. Speak English. Uh, he does tell Sawyer that he has to stay, which, again, We'll talk about this later when Dogen's like, I have to not speak English so that I keep myself separated from my people. But also in front of a group of them, he is speaking English to Sawyer. Yeah. So like the thing about it that I think is the biggest deal for me is that um, in 
in doing this and in like speaking directly to the characters now, um, we are completely negating the need for Lennon to be on the show. Like he no longer just doesn't have any reason to be on the show at all. He has no job. Like his his job was to create this illusion of translation for Dogen. But now that they said like, ah, oh, we don't need to do this anymore, right? It's the equivalent of in Across the Sea and in Solitary, where it was, we'll speak a foreign language for a little bit, then we'll switch to English because people are too lazy to read subtitles. Like that's this version of the character where it's like, all right, he plays a really important role. Now he's like Dogen's number two, but he's pretty much only going to hang around there to just provide like backup. There isn't really any specific storyline that I think uh, separates him from Dogen. I would say more so Dogen gets more of a, an enriched character than Lennon, but it's not like Lennon does anything special oh, that Dogen does I mean, there's no doubt that Dogen, uh, of the two characters, the one that actually has some story is Dogen. Lennon has none. Uh, and so, like, at, at least there's that. Um but, like, whether or not that's better or not, I don't know. But, like, Len- Lenin's whole purpose is to be Dogen's translator. And so the second that that's out the window, he's just, like, another person on the scene, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I don't think you need it. I really, really, really don't. I think it's a waste of time uh, when there's so many other characters to get to and probably so many other ways to convey a lot of the information that's being conveyed on the show. Uh, but we cannot rewrite history. So we just have to... Uh, whatever, whatever happened, 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 indeed. What's done is done, to put it in Sawyer's parlance. Uh, Sawyer books it. Uh, he says, Saeed's not my friend. None of you are my friends. You all suck. You suck. You suck. You suck. You're cool. He looks at You're her cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then he says, I'm out. Uh, Miles, too, is cool. Uh, and Kate's like, uh, you gotta stay. Uh, and Sawyer looks at Kate and he's like, I am begging you, please do not follow me. I know you want to. I can see. I don't even think she says anything. I think Sawyer literally no. verbatim says to Kate, like, Kate, Listen to me. I know that you are so tempted to come and follow me, as you often are. Please do not do it this time. I'm begging you, do not follow me. Whatever you do, whatever comes next, do not leave to come and track me. And then he leaves, and then Kate uh, turns and looks at the camera and says, I'm going to follow him. <laughs> I'm Kate. And then, Kate yeah, Austin, I'm Kate. and I'm going to follow Kate him. Kate Austin, and I'm going to follow him. James Ford. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And so Kate is going to volunteer. She's like, I'm going to go track Sawyer. I'm going to make him come back and stay. She is, of course, going to be joined later on. This is where we get Aldo's first appearance. And so we talked about this, I believe, when he came up during the jailbreak, I think back in not in Portland. But it's assumed, or maybe it's not in Portland. Maybe it's uh, episode six instead. But I believe it's assumed that he was alive when at the end of season three, when Ben tells, you know, Richard and everyone to go to the temple. He was part of this group with like Sydney, Cindy, you know, he's a little bit of like, I imagine like Billy Zane in Titanic trying to fit in with the women and children that are getting on the lifeboats mm. uh, instead of like fighting on the front lines, like all the others. And so this is where he's been just hanging out for the three years since then. Oh my God. Aldo. Aldo is an a whole uh he's gonna get fleshed out much more in the scene that we just played uh in the very beginning but yeah aldo's gonna literally blaze a path in here here's the other thing you know i criticized alice and jenny about this and across the sea but maybe it's because i enjoyed this episode uh maybe even less as a lost episode than that but i kind of love how rob mccallany just goes in there and like doesn't even try to pretend he's in Lost. It just feels like the way he's talking is completely Mac from It's Always Sunny. Like, there's even not even a pretense of him trying to pretend to be any other character. Yeah, and this is another moment where I gotta say, I love Rob McElhenney. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, I adore that show. The gang, some of the worst characters, like, some of the worst people on mm-hmm. TV, but some of the most hilarious characters. Like, I, I love Always Sunny. I think that show is incredible. I have yet to see season two of Mystic Quest, but I loved season one of Mystic Quest. Uh, I think uh, I'm all about the Mac attack. You know, uh, whether he's buff Mac, fat Mac, skinny <laughs> Mac, any Mac. I love Mac. Mm-hmm. I hate Aldo. And I think that, like, bringing him back, I don't know why we did this. I don't know why we did this, especially, like, his whole vibe, his whole attitude, and, like, this guy is worthy of being one of the Temple Others. And the Temple Others are, like, some of them now, like, are being just, like, portrayed as, like, out-and-out would-be murderers. Like, they're going to shoot Jin in cold blood in the jungle. Uh, That he's just, like, this terrible, vindictive guy who's nursing this grudge from the time he got clocked in the face, and he's never let go. Like, this is, like, if if you had a flashback episode, for Aldo, every flashback scene would just be different angles of him getting butted in the face with the rifle. <laughs> like it's just it, like, why are we doing this other than like, let's you know, like it's the final season. He's a friend. Let's bring him back. Let's give him a cameo. Like, yep, ah, big mistake. I really don't like it. I think it really uh, messes with the vibe quite a bit. Um, it's 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 really odd. Again, I can understand the use of bringing back other lost characters for fun little references. Like, we're gonna get Kimi making eggs, which is one of the highlights of season six, in my opinion. But this just sticks out like a sore thumb in all the worst possible ways. Like you said, I think it's more so of like, a, hey, we like Rob McElhenney. He was supposed to be in Through the Looking Glass, but couldn't do it because of booking. Let's bring him in one more time. But like this character literally elbows his way into the episode for no discernible reason and like becomes such an eye and an ear sore during the limited time he's on screen. Like he really does suck up so oh, much energy gee. in this episode. Oh, so anyway, Kate's like, I'm going to follow him. Jen's like, I will also follow. Um, we were talking about this the other night when you and I were watching the episode together with the patrons of Posture Recaps. Um, 
How many times have Kate and Jin been alone in a scene together? That's coming up later on in the episode. But like, I yeah. I am hard pressed to think of when they are alone in a scene together outside of like, do they have a moment alone? Uh, they do, right? Like they have some time alone together in um, uh, when when Claire is giving birth to Aaron. Yeah. They're certainly involved in, 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 in the scene in, together in, uh, there. Yeah, during, uh, I almost said left behind, but no. Do no harm, uh, do no harm. Do no harm, yeah. exactly. I, I imagine that because it's tough because Jen did not really know English for the first three seasons of the show. It's a very Kate infrequent dis- pairing at, at the very least. Like, yeah, Kate, Kate then disappears for three years and Jen's off doing his other stuff. I honestly don't think we've had any. This might be the first Kate Jin one on one scene, at least since then, if not ever in the history of the show. For some reason, with a voluminous ensemble cast that has been working together for going on six years, these are two actors that have not had a lot of screen time together. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So maybe yeah. that's why Jen goes after her. She's like, you know what? I really haven't ever talked to Kate in my life. I think I should probably do that. I appreciate the, the two of them being together. And I do think that of everybody here, they are definitely the two that have the biggest reasons to currently leave and consider not coming back. You know, like, Kate mm-hmm. wants to find Claire. Jin wants to find Sun. This is clear to me. This works. Uh, this makes sense, uh, as much as things make sense right now. Um, in the Sideways universe... Uh, Kate and her taxi cab shows up at this like uh, this like uh, chop shop uh, and she like rolls up to this dude who uh, is played by Jeff Kober, uh, who uh, genre TV fans may recognize as uh, he was Joe the Claimer in season four of The Walking Dead memorable arc. Uh, he is Jacob Hale Jr. in Sons of Anarchy. Uh, and those were two shows that, uh, during his time on both of those shows were very, very, uh, high on my visibility list. So, uh, mm-hmm. this popped for me immediately seeing, uh, Joe the Claimer back in action. Uh, and she's like being really rude to him. Uh, she's like, here, you gotta take off my, my handcuffs. She's got him at, at, uh, gunpoint. And he's like, listen, uh, I could just like do this for free, like basically, or, or for 200 bucks, right? He says like 200 bucks. I'll cu- like, stop no, no, pointing she, the gun she at offers me. 200 bucks. Yeah. He's like, stop pointing the gun at me. We could just get this done. Like, I feel like we've gotten off on the wrong foot and I appreciate the character. Like, I think this is kind of like a fun character who's just like, uh, why are you in handcuffs? And she's like, I'm wanted for murder. Uh, and she's like, you don't happen to have a place I can change. It's like, yeah, bathroom's over there. Don't forget. Th- the flush. This is so <laughs> freaking weird, but I think no, Knowing what you know about the Flash sideways, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because like, if this is the world that Kate built, she's going to give herself some obstacles, but not too much. She's going to be like, yeah, I, I lived like this life where I was constantly running. Like, let me give me some people that will probably help me. Because, yeah, for some reason, the Kate storyline in this episode is depending on the kindness of strangers. Like, so many people are willing to help out this wanted murderer just saying, like, yeah, I'll take off your cuffs. Yeah, you can go change in my bathroom. Go ahead, do whatever you need to. This guy weirds me out to no end. And I was not surprised in the least that you said he is a veteran of The Walking Dead and the Sons of Anarchy. He has that look. But, Josh, a huge, huge, huge missed opportunity. Why was this character 
not play by the same actor who plays Ray Mullen. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, just to anticipate the question, Dallin Servo had asked us, was it a lost opportunity to not make the mechanic Tom, Mr. Friendly? MC Ganey has a similar build to the actor they used. Um, I think that that would have worked really well as well. I had not considered the peach man Ray Mullen, who I know actually is in the pear <laughs> business. Could this be in this, in this, in this Please, version, though? Yes. He has canned pears behind him. Yes, in the flash sideways, let him be a peach man. Let him be what he always wanted to be. Um, yeah, I wish that this was the peach man. Uh, I think that that's great. I, I, I love yeah. seeing Jeff Kober, like great actor. Uh, this is like a fun character. But if this is Ray Mullen, I do think like this is one of those ways in which like the callbacks really would have worked. Um, yeah, and I think I think MC Ganey would have been fun. He has his own relationship with Kate, and like uh, Dallin points out, he does have that similar build to this rando character actor that they brought in for literally three lines. Uh, apparently there was more to this scene that ended up being cut, but it still seems just completely out of nowhere for various reasons. But I think this is an opportunity where you parse in somebody who has had a monumental effect in Kate's life. And considering this is the last Kate flashback episode, the very first one, we see someone like Ray Mullen see how seedy Kate is and decide to help her out, even though he does end up, you know, uh, ratting her out at the end. Like, I could see a very similar spot here as well. I think it'd be a really fun thematic connection to the very first time we saw Kate. Yeah, I think that's a really, really great pull. Um, She goes to the bathroom. She sees a Polaroid uh, picture of Claire, like, pointing at her belly, her fully pregnant belly, like a total badass. Uh, I'm trying to remember, is Thomas in the picture in the sideways, or is Claire still, like, by herself? I don't think so. I think she's by herself. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty okay. sure. So I don't know. So I don't know who's taking the picture there. I don't know her if that's friend. Carol. I don't know friend, if that's right. A- you know, maybe it's her friend. Oh, right, that friend yeah. who who suggested uh, Richard Mullen, yep. uh, Ray Mullen. No, Richard Mullen. Richard Damn Malkin, it, Ray Mullen. We're, yeah, we're back. We're all now the way we're back, back in season all one. The way back. Yeah, we went all the way back. We had to go back. Um, so I guess just like seeing the picture is enough to make Kate feel bad enough that she's going to go back around uh but we got some other stuff to do first um we're back at the temple this is kate is is gonna leave max being like don't slow me down and then i think kate goes don't slow me down uh so already like, <laughs> yeah kate, kate's like super snippy with aldo which i think is very deserved aldo deserves all the everything that's coming to him in this episode in my opinion uh a bit of a non sequitur but i think mostly on point Here's what I want for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I want, uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. I want Rob McElhenney to play a character that uh, Hope Van Dyne gives a ton of shit to. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think let's, let's, let's revisit this in movie form for, like, a scene, and I bet it's great. Because uh, they're both incredible, and I think it's just like, not now, damn it, like, I think is sort of my feeling yeah. about it. Um, like, please, not right now. Um, Kate tells Jack, she's going to find James. I'll take care of him. You take care of Saeed. It's a deal. Uh, if you can. If you can. If you can. If you can. A uh, special friend favor. Uh, and he is going to grab Kate by the arm and tell her to be careful. Uh, wow. Look at this. So romantic. Yeah. So romantic. And then she is it's, going it's to a, go. It's a, little, it's, a, it's a little bit of like a prologue, I would say, to like the big kiss that happens on the rocks in the end, right? Like it very much had that energy to me, except in this circumstance, while Jack may have been uh, soaked with blood and water in that instance, here he is like drenched with sweat yeah i noticed that I, i'm assuming that the temple is not very uh well ventilated so i could see why he is sweating his absolute ass off over the course of this episode yes uh he is like and he's never going to change out of these clothes for the rest of the show 
so oh, he's got to be. He's going to be so stinky. Like, uh, of like the stinkiest characters on Lost by the end of the show, he's got to be really high on the list. Uh, would be my guess. Uh, so she's going to go. Meanwhile, Saeed has been uh, taken by Dogen, and Dogen, uh, to his credit, is going to stop clutching his shirt for a minute, but just about a minute, uh, long enough to torture the torturer. Let's listen in. Sound number one. What is it you want? Please, whatever you're thinking of doing... Just tell me what you want. I don't have any secrets. Ask. We're sorry we had to put you through that. It was a test. We had to be sure. Test to be sure? What? Don't worry. You passed. just lied to him, didn't I? Yes. This scene sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Exactly. Uh, put it a little more bluntly. God, this scene is so they need, they stupid. Need to, you know, uh, we're doing a lot of, like, calling back to season one, so, like, we're doing sort of, like, the let's torture the torturer again. Um... But I, but we but we ju- but we just did that in he's are you yeah exactly yes and so like there's that there's also I think like the biggest issue like the instinct to like kind of like revisit some of the stuff from season one like the more I think about it, like the the less angry about that I am and like the more like I get that like I think like let's close the loop let's let's bring it back around um so I don't mind that they want to like go here to some extent. But I think that the way in which they do it is ridiculous. And, like, clearly what Dogen is doing, like, what kind of sense does this make? He's like, you know, the electric chair, what's he trying? This is how he determines that he has some, like, malevolence growing inside of him. What is, what's the tell? You know, like, what? Yeah, well, I I, I wonder if it started, I mean, I think the tell should be the ash. Because I believe he's blowing ash on him 
at first. And that should probably be the tell, right? Because we know that Smokey doesn't like the ash. You imagine if he has some sort of adverse reaction to that. It's like, oh, okay, you got a little bit of Smokey growing inside of you. I mean, this is actually almost like a microcosm of what I dislike about the temple and Dogen's character in general is, again, this idea that Mother espouses all the way back in that first scene of Across the Sea of, like, why? Because just this idea of, like, never really providing any concrete answers, doing things without communicating anything to anybody, doing things with no sense of explanation. Like, Saeed begs him, like, I'll tell you what you need. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me why you need me. But Dogen is going to somehow walk forward and try to convince everybody of like, no, no, no. Sayin must be gaslit this entire episode. He must be kept in the dark. If it doesn't happen, things might be dire, which to be frank is bullshit. And it's just, it is incredibly frustrating to me how this scene represents that fact that you have Saeed and the audience by proxy asking all these questions. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? What can I offer you? How can I help you? And Dogen is just completely giving him a straight face of like, nope, you can't help me, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. I think that the, you know, because I don't need the show to answer everything. And in fact, I think a lot of the stuff is better left unanswered. I think a lot of the stuff is better left, like just to like the whims of like, it's mysterious. Be, be cool with it. But I think like the mystery has to be compelling and I think it has to be rendered compellingly. And, exactly. and, and uh, you know, like it's just, it's not that here. Like this is like, and, now we're like setting up all sorts of like new systems that'll never get any kind of um um any kind of real clarification and like right. i think that one of the things that's that's difficult especially about it because like the systems don't necessarily need clarification if i'm buying the characters but i'm not buying the characters the temple others are so sloppy the temple others like profess to know so much and yet they're like as like petty as aldo um and so like there is just there's just not enough to like kind of ground you in like having the faith that the characters know what they're doing you know what i mean and that that is like that's the barrier for me i think like it is this combination of like a lack of trust in the character knowing what the character is doing and then also like maybe like a bit of like it's just not that cool you know this isn't like a cool thing uh there's nothing cool about this it's just like why is this happening this is deeply unpleasant if this is happening then hopefully there is like some rationale behind it but these characters are so hapless that i'm just struggling to figure out what that rationale could possibly be um so i think all of that mixes together to to create um a very like slovenly scene and just like helps to contribute to the to the idea that like the temple others um as a group i think uh may be the weakest group of characters in all of lost Right. And I think even from a thematic perspective, we talked about this a bit with Jacob. And I think, you know, Riley makes a great point about this in his perennial S- anti-Jacob essays is this idea that I think you and I are both in agreement with of if the idea is about this imperfect person in charge, give us more of that, right? Like underline it for us, explain it to us like we're five. And maybe that's what they're intending to do here as well as like, it's almost like the, the magician, you know, waving his hands and doing a bunch of tricks for no reason in particular. That's all well and good, but I would like to see more deliberate nature in that. I guess Jack sort of does that later on in the episode, but honestly, all it comes across here is, you know, putting Saeed on the table and going like, whoopity, whoopity, woo! Oh, that was the test you passed. Like, it's just such, such a 
bad sloppy scene, especially, again, I'll compare it to He's Are You. If we're talking Saeed gets tortured under mysterious circumstances, the truth serum is the polar opposite of what happens here, where, yes, maybe there are some questionable, wobbly circumstances behind it that don't necessarily need explanation, but that has character root and really compelling performances as opposed to what happens here. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, Not much more to add to it other than, like, yeah, I just really don't like it, and I really don't think it works. Like, I appreciate, like, let's try stuff, but, like, I think... I don't know. There's got to be existing characters on the board at this point. Like, maybe this is like, I don't know. Like, can we get Richard Alpert back? Like, can, is the, I, I was I was thinking him, or maybe even I mean, listen, I maybe even bring somebody in like a Cindy. Right? I was or just like, thinking Cindy is a great idea of like, uh, especially because like if the answer is character and like what has happened to Cindy, boost Cindy's profile, elevate her, right? Like, elevate her in uh, in importance. Uh, I think is a is a really good call, Mike. Yeah, I think it's it's the same like, thing we were talking about with in Miss three years since she's been here. Like, that's a pretty fun right. story to tell. Yeah, and I think we, it's also a little bit of a reflection of what we were talking about with Miss Clue in season three, right? This idea of why feel the need to create all these other characters, right? Like, I guess that was due to scheduling, but like, why have to create Colleen to get killed by son or Isabel the sheriff in, uh, in Stranger in a Strange Land when you have this other character that you can bring in and build upon who you introduced in season two? There is this person standing here who we have this connection with going back to season two. It's been a while since we've seen her, but what fun would it be to build on how much she's become maybe perverted by the <laughs> whims of yeah. Jacob and his and the temple others rather than introducing us to two characters and then having to like really play catch up with the two of them of like okay now you really got to care about them because they're going to die three episodes from now yeah yeah I think that this is a really good call I think Cindy being in there is great gives you an opportunity maybe to like make characters out of the kids though of course that's dangerous uh, <laughs> but I think I think as a as a as a general idea I really like it it's a character who we already have familiarity with obviously she's available because she's here um on the show uh i love it i think it's great really really good call um that helps with the with the temple for sure i think uh and also like maybe the idea that like our leader is gone we're a little bit rudderless like could have been interesting uh i think that there's something to to play with there um all right let's go back to the sideways and actually to sound number two we are going to really begin like the kate and claire stuff let's listen in going what before i got in the cab where were you going why so you can hijack them too i, I was waiting for a bus came to bring you stuff relax i didn't take your money well uh, gee thanks so where were you going don't worry about it Langdon Street, Brentwood. You got family there? Uh, no, it's a couple who's adopting my baby. They were um, they were meant to meet me at the airport, but I guess they got their days mixed up or something. It's not like they abandoned me. Brentwood's not far. Get in. <laughs> Seriously. Do you want a ride or not? And 
so they go up to Langan Street, which is located within a medieval painting that has a secret eye mm-hmm. in the corner that's staring at the corner of the museum, which contains a secret codex that must be unlocked with the numbers. Yeah, the Valenzetti code. Um, Kate, how did you find Claire? Who the hell knows? I mean, I guess is How this. Did you, like, are you, were you, were, did you, were you just driving around in the cab and then like, Kate, she's, she's in, I, like, Claire is in eye shot of, of LA SpaceX. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kate goes back. She risks it. And there isn't like a police barricade or anything. <laughs> like, she's just able to like really get away here pretty clean. That's wild. And also, Kate, why do you not ditch the taxi? Because I would imagine your name's being called in multiple times, one of them being, hey, be on the lookout for this cab that has this license plate. Hell, Arst even yells that at her as she's driving away with his luggage. You'd imagine if they're tagging the car and you just came from a literally an auto body shop, go up to this really cool dude and be like, hey, can I borrow one of your cars and drive away with that? Like, what type of criminal are you at this point? Um, yeah, but also, like, it should be, like, if not for the fact that there's a lot of LVP points to, to give out, to double up on some people, I think, uh, a demerit to law and order, for sure. Uh, oh, absolutely. But, but I wonder, again, does this go back to, with the exception of maybe Sawyer and Miles, Kate, like, built this world where law and order kind of sucks? And so it's like, yeah, the cops are a little sloppy, so I could go run around and do what I want without much repercussion. Yeah. Um... And look, it's the sideways. This is like, this is the, the next stage of life and all of that stuff. And so, like, should logic be a little bit thrown out the window, you know, to a certain extent, I think for sure. Uh, but like, it just still plays really wonky to me. I don't know. And I think, like, I think I'm not pulling on this thread in a better episode. In a better episode, I really don't care. Um, in this episode, which is already like, I think really like clumsy, um, I, I do care. It stands out to me. Yeah, the only thing I can think of with regards to the how did she find Claire question is if Claire did not walk far from where Kate forced her out of the cab, I could see, I mean, Claire is pregnant, so I would imagine she would not want to walk far. I'm also not sure what Claire's... passes, though, right? Like, this is like an hour, two hours later, right? Well, I'm not sure what Claire's plan is, too. Like, was she going to get another taxi to take her to Langton Street? Was she just going to sit there and mope for a little bit and be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen now? I mean, what we can also, I think, chalk a lot of this up to is they just have a feeling, right? Like, I think a lot of the reasons why Kate's going to eventually come up and pick up Claire because we sort of yada yada through this. She goes through Claire's bag, which Kate refused to give her, and she sees the Polaroid, sees the Orca, etc. And it's not exactly a flash where she wakes up but i think this whole episode the storyline between kate and claire is really this idea of deja vu of like all over again something uh, something feels important about you that i should come back and stay with yep. you so that even though kate is on the run she feels the need to go back and take claire with her i don't know if it speaks to anything from like sideways kate's thematic perspective or more so this is this idea of like i just feel like i have to stay close by you for for whatever reason yeah Yeah. i buy all of that um we go back to the island island time uh and it's the uh it's the scene we listen to at the top of this uh just aldo being terrible and for justin i want to give a shout out to justin i think Justin, yeah just justin's a good good guy he's a solid dude i think he's super logical like he's basically speaking up aldo's trying to be the angry version of what the temple others are right like secretive and huffy 
of, oh, that's on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. And Justin's like, I think we could tell him about the Ajira flight. Poor Justin like, has it, just been, like, buddied up with the worst guy. And, like, Justin's, like, constantly trying to be, like, relatively on the level. Also, when he and uh, and Jin are going to get captured by Claire, like, Justin's going to be like, this this lady's going to kill us. We got to get out of here now. And he's right. He gets killed. Yeah. Poor Justin. Yeah, b- brutally. I believe he gets, like, hatcheted yeah, he by, gets by Claire. in the heart. Yeah, so poor Justin. He's not like going to get Justin. these. Justin's great. No, no, no Ju- room for an MVP point for Justin this week for me. But uh, otherwise, I think Justin Justin's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, and he's also right. He's Justin's the one who the sticks up for Kate. Other other than Cindy. I think Justin should be in charge personally. Yeah. <laughs> Justin seems to be like a fair leader here. Yes, justice for Justin. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. So anyway, yeah, they're eventually like, they're going to get into the whole. You don't even remember me, do you? Uh, and I would. What if the whole gang was here? What if the Temple Others was just the gang from from no, Always Sunny? Okay, you know what? Danny DeVito as Dogen. Yes, no, that's the thing. I would love Dogen Charlie as fifteen Lennon. times more if. Danny DeVito played Dogen, and if he would like, instead of grinding up pills, he offered Saeed an egg to eat instead that contained the poison. I think recasting uh, the like some of the final season characters as the gang is pretty good. Danny DeVito is Dogen. Charlie is Lennon. I think can can uh, Caitlin Olsen be Zoe? Uh, I was going to say Caitlin Olsen would be. Uh, she would. Yeah, I guess Zoe would work. I think Zoe would work. Dennis has probably got to be the Man in Black. Uh, oh yeah glenn bringing glenn howerton or maybe glenn howerton can be another widmore dude or maybe recast bram as glenn howerton uh-huh. <laughs> there's got to be someone better uh like i think he would he would think that he's jacob uh mm. i mean he could be jacob he's sort of you know he could play the, he could play like he would if if riley's concern is they don't lean into jacob being a dick nearly enough glenn howardson would fix that instantly yeah. we've got the jacob method yeah. you know yeah, the, just tell them to believe <laughs> yeah absolutely if someone could develop the jacob method based on the dentist system <laughs> i would really love to hear it anyway uh rocks come falling kate escapes Jin escapes aldo and justin are left in the dust um so Said comes back from being tortured at the temple uh he said they didn't even ask any questions jack wants to go and speak to dogan and he just like sidesteps past these two guards like a boss jack is a boss in this scene uh we get uh jack hanging out with dogan and lennon let's listen in sound three hey shepherd we were hoping you'd come on your own what the hell did you do to saeed we, we didn't do anything to him. Your, your friend is sick. Sick with what? He's... Yeah, I just... Not really, there's not really a literal translation. The closest thing would be... Infected. Infected? He's not even running a fever. <laughs> Did I say something funny? I doubt it. He didn't really have a sense of humor. He says you have to give your friend this pill. <laughs> Are you serious? Why don't you give it to him? Because it won't work unless he takes it willingly, and he won't take it willingly from us. Well, then maybe you should have asked him to take it before you tortured him. We didn't torture him. We were diagnosing him to see if he was infected. 
I'm not going to give anything to Saeed unless I know what's in it. Tell me, Shepard. Your friend. How did he get shot? He was, um... He was helping me. So, it was your fault? Yes. And there have been others who were hurt or died helping you? Yes. Well, then this is your chance to redeem yourself. It's medicine. And your friend needs it. What happens if I don't give it to him? The infection will spread. Listening to these scenes just like pain me. I know. I get for it. whatever you know, reason. Like, it. It's just like it's, it's just it's very frustrating. Like like I hate. I, I think Jack is so cathartic in this scene, right? Being like, okay, why is this medicine? I'm a doctor, and you're trying to tell me that this is medicine without giving me any sort of diagnosis or explanation as to what's happening. You know, this is like trying to sell ice to you know someone who lives up north, right? Like the Portuguese version of me, and then Dogen decides to finally speak english but he like does it in the most drippingly malicious malevolent you know manipulative way right being like oh it's your fault saeed got shot and all those people died on your watch so therefore this will be the first way that you'll be able to actually fix someone for once in your life it's just like god it's so freaking grody and i know that's what the character is supposed to be but it doesn't make me enjoy it any better yeah i mean so so um one way that like i can i can live with this uh like the way that like i'm able to like like obviously like first and foremost like i wish none of it happened um but that's not you know that's an immutable thing it happened um but like are there ways to like if i'm not i'm not I'm not going to be able to like make sense of what the hell they're doing here in the temple uh, personally, um, or at least like make much like reasonable sense. But is there like, is there something thematic here? And I think to this point of like, does the show go uh, uh, get complicated enough that like Jacob's way is not necessarily the right way. I think like you see it in the legacy of the people who follow him the most closely, right? Like mm-hmm. these are people who would consider themselves agents of Jacob. They're in like overdrive hearing that Jacob is dead. They're panicked. They're chickens without their heads. Damn. And I feel like um, <laughs> this like whole like uh, a lot of people died in your watch, right? Well, this is your shot to redeem yourself. He's saying as he's lying and this is a guy on Jacob side like i do think is uh and if and if jack is to do it does saeed die i mean like it's poison right um i yeah. feel like uh this is this is a, a very significant lie that dogan is feeding to jack and i think a great argument in favor of the show's i think apparent argument of like 
blind faith is not great. Like, uh, like full yep. blind, unfl- unthinking, unflinching, unquestioning, devoted faith is dangerous. Uh, and you could get your friend killed. Um, so like, if there is something to pull from this thematically that works for me, it's that the scene still yeah, I- sucks. Yeah, I, I agree that I think what is really interesting about the Jack arc in this episode overall is this sort of reckoning, right? Because remember, L.A. SpaceX, Jack is still left in the wake of the incident where he was never more right about something in his entire life, and he was actually wrong from his perspective. And so now he's really reeling of, okay, I tried to be the man of faith, but, you know, can I really be? And I think the lesson, at least what I'm projecting, the lesson that Jack takes away from the experience in this episode is, while you can still believe more than you used to, you could still apply a healthy amount of scrutiny to things, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why Jack is ultimately not going to give Saeed the pill is because I think there is still a voice in the back of Jack's head, that man of science thing that is like, this is sketchy AF. They haven't told us anything. I know that I meant to just throw that away and believe in what the island is telling me. But at the same time, I can't look past who I am as a person and who I am as a person would not prescribe Saeed a pill that I don't know the contents of. And so I do like that from Jack's perspective that, like you said, the ultimate the ultimate uh, resolution on the show with the man of science, man of faith is, of course, the answer is somewhere in between. And I think that's a lesson that Jack learns here and so i think this is actually a, an underrated jack episode like i think yeah, jack i think that's right is has some really sound logic in this episode and i think unfortunately it comes at the expense of really portraying the other side as just like completely morally and ethically bankrupt well also like exchange. just like ineffectual and hapless and just yeah. like not good at what yeah, they the, do the idea of like well it's a means to an end so we're going to trick jack into giving Said the pill rather than giving him any sort of information about what might be going on unless we're absolutely forced to or also like i don't know if you're so concerned why don't you just force feed the thing no, it has to be you. It has to be you. It has to be you. Um, so on the other side of this, uh, Miles and Hurley are with Saeed asking him ghost questions, which is great. I, I love Naveen Andrews' delivery of, I am not a I'm zombie. I'm not a zombie. Uh, which is, I think, uh, a nice little nod at the joke that Darleton used to make on their podcast, Damon and right. Carlton, about like uh, they're going to do the zombie season someday. Uh, so he is not a zombie. I think it's like a good in-joke. Um, Jack needs a minute with Saeed. Uh, uh, Hurley and Miles say they'll be in the food court if you need us. Uh, the Temple others would be instantly cooler if they had a food court. Um I did earlier today, Mike, I watched a video uh, that was like a behind the scenes of filming uh, in the temple uh, of uh, Jack uh, and Hurley, a.k.a. Matthew Fox and Jorge Garcia, having a very like up close and personal conversation about a craft services sandwich that was uh, bologna cheese and mayo on white bread. And then both talking about how nostalgic it made them. Uh, What about the dipping sauces? No dipping sauce. I think it may have just been the mayo spread on the sandwich. Wow. Uh, so yeah, maybe the food court. I was hoping for at least like an orange Julius or something. You know, Julius maybe. Do you think? Do you think Hurley? Uh, I know the temple gets destroyed here, but do you think when Hurley rebuilds the island in the new man in charge, is he going to put a Mister Clux on the island? Yeah, and I think that he should also take all of the temple others and send them to various Mister Clux franchises around yes, the planet. Pull a Randy Nation. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. Put them, but don't like you know, like re reemploy them elsewhere. Uh, they all deserve jobs. I just think this is not the right spot for them. Um, this is where Jack's going to say, like, I've got this pill. They want you to take it. 
they say it's medicine, but I don't know. And when you thanked me for saving your life, I need you to know I didn't do anything. They fixed you, not I me. I don't know, Jack. Uh, we, it's a headcanon officially now on DTH that you have super CPR. And so technically you were the one that did it, not them. Love this line from Saeed when he says, uh, uh, I don't care who fixed me. I only care about who I trust. Um, in a better episode, this is like such an important moment, I think, that Jack's yeah. whole thing has always been about like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to fix it. Um, and this person who is close to him, this person who he cares about, uh, is going to tell him like, that doesn't matter. I don't give a shit about who fixed stuff. I care about who I trust. I care about who I've built that up with. Um, and I think like it is this, uh, this, this like sort of like, I don't know about this permission slip or something, but I think it is like, it is like this moment where he, uh, Jack has this opportunity to like start like trusting himself again a little bit more. Like if Saeed trusts me, maybe I should like, it's this thing like when you're feeling like really horrible about yourself or horrible about a thing um, and you just mm. like, cannot get out of your own head on it. But like somebody who you really respect and somebody who you really trust comes to you and says like you if you trust me, like you should trust that I believe that your thing or what you're doing or what you're all about is great. Uh, and it's like, who am I to disbelieve this person who I trust a lot? So I think like this this in this line from Saeed doesn't fix jack but it's not about that i think it starts the process of jack being able to like trust circumstances trust himself a little bit more trust his own judgment trust the people around him like rebuild that to a certain degree i think that that's Mm. all pretty good well yeah because jack's gonna say that in his next scene right you know dogan's gonna ask him say you have to trust me and jack says i don't trust myself how am i supposed to trust you and i think that's also the general attitude that he has and it's interesting it's almost paradoxical in that way that he believes this but at the same time i absolutely agree i think this is the statement that causes jack to not give saeed the pill for him to say yeah you know what i think my predilection to provide a panacea and as dogan says to like finally fix someone for once is overwhelmed by the fact that these are people that i should be trusting in and i should listen to my gut i think over my head at this point and like my heart and i think that jack is gonna be a little gut driven for the rest of this season and that is sort of a nice push in the right direction and i think it's also pertinent given that site is an incredibly rational character and he has yet to become quote-unquote fully infected so i think this is you know one of the last salient pieces of advice he's going to be giving someone and it makes sense that it's 100 percent true um back out in the jungle kate and Jin. this is like their scene together and, and i really am struggling to think of like another time that they really have a moment like this yeah they're they're really the elaine and george of lost yeah uh like you want to find son of course i do uh what are you doing what are you gonna do when you find sawyer we'll figure it out together it's very quick they really like they're like this is too awkward to be in the same scene together for too long let's let's try and get through this fast Exactly. Like, all right, this is like a small acknowledgement. It's sad that Kate doesn't really acknowledge like, hey, I I care about Sun, too, because, again, remember, they were BFFs uh, back in like seasons one and two. But at this point, they like firmly understand each other. Uh, We each have people that we want to go after. That's why it's okay to not go back to the temple. Yes. Um, So in the sideways, Kate and Claire are going to roll up to the address of the people who were going to adopt Claire's child. 
Uh, and it goes a certain way. Let's listen in, sound four. This is it. Um, will you come in with me? Are you kidding me? Please, I, I just... I really don't want to go up there on my own. Uh, hi, uh, Mrs. Baskin. I, I'm, I'm Claire Littleton. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Um, my husband... He left me. And believe me, I wanted a baby so much. But I can't do it alone. I'm sorry. Look, I know I should have called you. So uh, you just changed your mind? Look, my, my life is just... A little bit complicated. You came all the way from Australia and you don't call? Oh my God. Are you okay? No, it's coming! I believe there's actually a cut line from this scene where Kate says, she came all the way from Australia and you don't call, and then Charlie pops his head in frame and says, you don't write? You don't write? (laughs) And they're like, oh, I haven't met you yet. I won't meet you until the finale, so please pipe down. Um, This scene is so wild. Like, uh, like... This woman is like, this woman has gone through a trauma. This woman has gone through something awful. She's like, she opens the door. She is, uh, unless she's a sociopath who saw who was coming up, she's like, shit, shit, shit. Okay, gotta get into cry mode. Oh, gotta sell oh, a story. Shit, right, I gotta, you know, listen, I know, I, I know, I didn't want that baby. Let me just pretend that my husband left me. You know, like unless she's like a total psycho, um, she has been through something awful here. And then let's even think about how this is all like a manifestation of an afterlife or whatever ever like so like either like this is what this poor woman is still holding on to in the afterlife or if they are like you know if these are all like sort of like characters on a stage for the oceanic people like our characters then like this is who like kate and claire are mutually creating to like then like make themselves like feel more justified in the righteous anger about like claire coming all the way here uh and kate just kidnapped claire uh and she's like you rude lady you didn't even call her that uh, that this was going on. You just held this woman at gunpoint. You don't get to vote here. This is between <laughs> Claire and Lindsay is the name of the woman, right? Yeah, or I don't know, Carol Baskin or whatever uh, her, her name is. Uh, I do believe, actually, I think it's Lindsay, which actually is an anagram. Lindsay Bascom is an anagram for used by Malkins. Uh, really? Interesting. Yes, um, that is incredible. But yeah, it's Claire's. It's very uh, Claire's clear. aunt is Aunt Lindsay too. Yeah, so I, I think it's. I think it's obviously clear that this is like Claire's. Uh, Claire's sort of input right into the shared universe of like, let me create this woman who's going through a very similar circumstance as me and like wanting to to give up the baby. I think this is also going to hammer home her decision to eventually keep Aaron. But yeah, it's an 
odd like rush of given circumstances i would say of the coincidence of like oh okay this is the exact like nearly the exact same circumstances of what happens to claire i would say i talked about this when we were watching it in the discord this is like an incredible curb your enthusiasm scene specifically kate taking the perspective of larry david right like uh I mean, you could, like, call, you know? Uh, it's not easy. You can't just pick up a phone, stifle your tears for a second, and say that you don't even go back on the airplane. I, I don't understand why you're doing this. Yeah. Uh, just completely coming in from this perspective of the the lady just had her husband leave her. Her life is in tatters. Sorry she didn't give a courtesy call to Claire Littleton to be like, sorry, can we reschedule? I've had a really, really, really rough day. And Kate's coming in like, oh, well, you could have called. I think you could have called. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so she needs to go to the hospital. We will check in on her uh, at the hospital very, very soon. First, we go to the barracks. Kate has tracked Sawyer to the barracks. Um, We didn't really touch on this too much, but it's amazing that when Kate's like, I'll track him, I'll find him. The Temple Leathers are so bad that they don't have a tracker. Uh, that they have yeah, to, to the send point where they Kate. have to send stupid Aldo yeah. and maybe Justin was the tracker yeah. and he ends because he's the one who's like oh, I think she's right like maybe Justin is just too courteous to really speak up about it but yeah this is back in season one Kate skills right she tracks Sawyer all the way to desiccated Dharmaville she finds Sawyer in his old house prying up his floorboards he has this like black bag that you would use to hold D and D dice and Kate gives herself away though a floorboard creaks. He holds this gun, and she's like, oh, I was worried about you, and he just gives no response and storms past her. It's incredible. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, so she's now at the barracks. Uh, she sees Sawyer. Sawyer's ripping up the floorboards. Uh, there's a shoebox. She makes a noise. He pulls a gun on her. Uh, she says, I was worried about you. We will get to the two of them momentarily. We can put a pin in it for now. Um, Claire and Kate roll up to the hospital. Uh, apparently, this is three minutes since the last scene, which is impressive. <laughs> wow, Kate made good time, especially considering it is a stolen taxi that has probably been called into the police if she was assumingly speeding to the hospital. It's amazing. Let's just add that to the list of crimes and misdemeanors she's committed this day. It's amazing. Um, so they go in, they check in, and the doctor on call is this guy. Let's listen. Sound five. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Are you a doctor? Yes, I'm Dr. Goodspeed. Can I please get your help in here? Miss Littleton? Claire, how are you feeling? <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> What's happening? What's happening is that Mother Nature has gotten a little ahead of herself. 
Are you ready to have your baby? I'm sorry, what? You're at 36 weeks, three centimeters dilated and about 80% effaced, which means if you want, you can have your baby tonight. If I want? So what, you mean you can stop it then? Maybe. However, to do that would require a number of drugs. Drugs? I mean, will that hurt the baby? No, they're perfectly safe. I just don't want to have to stick you with needles if I don't have to. So it's up to you. I'm not ready. Okay. Let's get her started on an ifedipine drip. What, what is it? Margaret, let's do an ultrasound. I want to get a picture of what's going on in there. It could just mean the baby's out of position. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying? What's happening to my baby? Is my baby okay? Is Aaron okay? <laughs> See? <laughs> there he is. Everything is just fine. The boy just likes to move around. <laughs> 140 BPM. Perfectly normal. I have a feeling that Aaron is going to be a handful. Now let's see if we can slow this down. You did great, Mommy. Thanks. Josh, I cannot tell you the literal drop that occurs in my stomach every single time I hear poor William Mapather have to say, you did good, mommy. You did good, mommy. Uh, yeah. Don't don't say that. Like, the, through the, the uh, Garrison, I've had a very limited viewing uh, experience of, you know, very ma- many OBGYNs, but, like, they always call the mom, mom. Nobody's saying, okay, mommy, come on in. Who says that? I guess Ethan. Like, Ethan's still a weirdo, even in this universe? He's just, like, he's so terrible at this. Like, he's so terrible about being nice. He's like, oh, okay, don't worry, mommy. It's like, oh, Oh, God, I used to like you until now. Uh, I mean, I I love the irony of this scene, though I, I also do question the logic of Kate just walking up to a random doctor like, this is not Walmart. You can't walk up to a doctor in a hospital and be like, excuse me, can you help me with something? Can you ring me up? I've got a pregnant lady over here that needs checking up on. There are procedures for these things, but uh, maybe that's another, you know, deja vu feeling of like, I have a feeling I'm supposed to talk to this guy. But I, I love the the irony, right, of I don't want to stick you with needles if I don't have to. The care that Ethan is showing for Claire. And maybe the idea of also, like, Mother Nature getting a little ahead of itself, right? Like, again, if the idea is Mother Nature has everyone wake up around the same time in the end, this idea of maybe rushing things a bit too quickly is speaking towards how that resolves as well. But, yeah, I think it's an actually, it's a really fun scene that utilizes a previous character Maybe has a little bit of an unintentional creepy tinge at the end with the use of the word mommy. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so yeah. odd. It's so odd it that he says, you did great, does mommy. He, does, he, does he mean to call her Claire, but then he says mommy, and does he kick himself all day? Being like, I can't believe I called my patient mommy. That was so awkward. 
And then he calls his mom, Amy Goods, to be like, oh, I called it. Mommy, I called it you. I called a patient after you. It was really weird. Yeah, I'll wear the sailor suit tonight. Don't you worry. Uh, and then it turns out to be what, like a Norma Bates situation where Amy Goods beats just a skeleton residing in a rocking chair in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would watch that. Uh, uh, Bates, Bates Motel. Yeah, they got it's... the wrong other to be on Bates Motel because Nestor Carbonell uh, shows up there. Uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this, so it's, it's a fun way to see him though spoiler alert i'm gonna give ethan an mvp point because i think he does do a good job of talking claire down here and doing his job but it, he does not do himself any no. favors by calling her mommy. It's so weird. It's so, so, so weird. But I guess, you know, nice to see him back. Uh, it is it is a little odd that like uh, in this world where like some of the bad guys are just like worse uh, or at yeah. least still bad that Ethan gets a little bit of a pass. I don't really know why. Um, but okay, here he is. I don't know. Was was it was this Juliet? Like when they're doing this committee meeting to decide the flash sideways, Juliet's like, you know, I got to see a side of Ethan. Yeah, he was a little off, but like he wasn't that bad. And so Claire like got bullied into like, all right, fine, I guess I'll make him the doctor. But I, I, under one condition, we still have to make him like a little bit of a freak. Yeah. All right, fine. We'll have him call you mommy. Call you That's mommy. my compromise. Um. All right, so we've bagged on this episode a bit, and like this next scene, I think prevents the episode for me from being like a total wash and being like maybe like mm-hmm. my least favorite episode of Lost. Um, and it's it's just a really, really, really great scene. I think Holloway is rightfully going to get like the lion's share of the credit, but I think Evangeline Lilly's reactions to everything that Josh Holloway is doing really, really superb. This is the scene of Kate and Sawyer on the pier. Let's listen in. Sound six. A couple days ago. You asked me why I came back to the island. I need to find Claire. I thought maybe if I could catch up to you, you could help me. And then maybe if we could find her and bring her back to Aaron, then maybe all of this wouldn't have been for nothing. I'm sorry. I should have followed you. Watch your time. And that was your house, right? With Juliet? Yeah. I'm sorry. You already said that. No. For Juliet. If I hadn't come after you on the sub, then you two would have left, and she would have never died. It's not your fault. She's dead. It's mine. She was sitting right there, right where you are now, trying to leave this place. And I convinced her to stay. I made her stay on this island because I didn't want to be alone. You understand that, right? But I think some of us are meant to be alone.
back to the temple by night, boy. Well, Josh, it's a beautiful scene, but I don't know if you know this, there's actually an alternate ending to this scene. Oh, really? Yeah, so Sawyer's about to toss the ring into the ocean, and actually the late (laughs) Bill Paxton comes out and is like, what are you doing? Don't do that. And then Sawyer actually is somehow able to convince Bill Paxton to drop it into the ocean alongside him. And it didn't work with test audiences. Uh, People are still a little out on this original ending as well, but at least it's better than the alternative. I thought you were going to say the alternate scene is Kate uh, saying, Sawyer, throw the ring into the lake! And then Sawyer turns around (laughs) and says, no. No. And then he puts it on <laughs> and he disappears. Ooh, I would love that if we just involve some more mystic mumbo jumbo in it too. Of now Sawyer can be invisible and now like you see John Loki, right? Be like he's like a ring wraith. He's like, oh, I know where it is now. Aye, aye, aye. Uh that'd be terrifying. What a beautiful scene. Uh and so sad. So sad to get like um because there are three people in this scene. You know, it's Sawyer, it's Kate, mm. and Juliet is here in music form. Her theme is roaring through the whole thing. Yeah. And it's just um uh again, I, I remember, you know, going through this when we we went to Stranger in a Strange Land, and like that episode cannot be a total wash because it's got oceans apart and it's beautiful. It's just like majestic, majestic music. Uh, and here it is in this really beautifully, um, beautifully timed moment, um, hearing uh, Juliet's theme as Sawyer is just like in this horrible, lonely place of like some people are just meant to be alone, uh, just like oh. the absolute like. Uh, the absolute tragedy of all of that. It's just too much to bear. Kate crying yeah. and Evangeline Lilly once again proving best crying actor on Lost. And I think like there's the world where, where like, is she crying because she knows that she'll never get Sawyer back? She's still just hung no. up on the Sawyer thing. No, 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 no. That's not this, how this I is- view it. This is a platonic skate scene, in my opinion. I still do believe that despite the stoking they did in the incident, that in whatever happened, happened, that buried the hatchet in uh, in Justin's chest that was the skate stuff. That I think both Sawyer and Kate were like, all right, we've got our other things that we're doing right now. We're totally fine. I think this is Kate legitimately wanting to connect with Sawyer as a friend. Yeah. I think this is like, you are someone who understands me. I'm someone who understands you. I see you're in a lot of pain right now. Let me try to help. And God, is this devastating from Josh Holloway because you get a little bit of introspection into Sawyer. This, and like you're talking about, this reversion back to this season one form of not only the snippiness, but also a bit of that self destructiveness as well. What Sawyer essentially says is like, I don't, des- I didn't deserve happiness. I thought I did with Juliet, but it turns out I'm just the same bad person that I always was that deserved to be tortured beforehand, that deserved to be, you know, hated amongst everybody. What, who did I kid myself, giving myself false hope that I could actually end up happily ever after? Yeah. And it's so incredibly sad. I mean, it's also a little bit of like, it's it's warped logic, right? Him backfilling that he made Juliet stay on the island because he didn't want to be alone. I mean, we saw LaFleur. I don't think that was necessarily the case. I don't think Sawyer's like, hey, Juliet, specifically, I want you to stay. He's got a whole crew there. But I can understand why Sawyer is in the state that he is and like, we both know firsthand, Josh, like when your mind is in a turbulent place, you lump yourself with a lot of blame, no matter how 
little sense it makes. I think it is an incredibly strong and tragic scene for Sawyer. I think it's a really great check-in with these two as well, which we really haven't had since whatever happened happened. I like that this is a way for Sawyer to be able to finally like parse out his grief, even if that grief is now bouncing back onto him. Yeah. I um I also feel like there is something with Kate going on here where it's like when she's crying at the end of the scene, there is like this vibe of like she came back here with purpose, she came back here to find Claire, she came back here to reunite Aaron with her uh with his with his birth mother. Um and there are, uh, you know, I think she must have known it would be a difficult job. There was going to be a lot of hard stuff that happens along the way. Um, but I think that she's got to feel some measure of, uh, as she says at the start of the scene, like, this was my fault. Um, and even if Sawyer says it's my fault, that's not automatically going to stop Kate from feeling like I contributed to this. Um, yeah. And so it's like, this is the toll. Right, like a human life was lost in the pursuit of this thing. If I wasn't here, she'd be alive. Uh, it might be part of like what she's thinking. Uh, so I think all of that is is swirling together in this scene. I think it's one of one of the one of the really really great Josh Holloway scenes of the season. You know, there's yep. there's still some really good Sawyer stuff coming, but the best 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 Sawyer stuff has happened. I think on the show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think like there is there's definitely like a there's like a there's a there's a really cool arc for Sawyer in season six if you look for it it's not necessarily like uh super super strong by any stretch of the imagination but it's kind of a little bit of sawyer getting his groove back and really just sort of like muscling up through his time undercover in like multiple regards and trying to push forward and get people off the island like he kind of is able to like rededicate himself and all of that is great um but it just doesn't have quite the same power of season five specifically uh and a a Mm -hmm. good chunk of season four as well um and i i really i really love getting this moment of like extraordinary vulnerability from him here i think it's just yeah. a, a spectacular spectacular scene um, and also speaks to his character advancement too that i i do not think the sawyer of the first few seasons would actually come out and say this like when this the sawyer name reveal happens in confidence man kate has to pull that out of him she literally has to read the letter i think sawyer admitting here the fact that he didn't want to be alone and that he feels like he deserves to be alone. I think that's that's a big step for the character as well, as much as we might think it might be a bit of a regression overall. Yeah. Um, let's go into uh, a, a scene that is not as good. Uh, Jack and <laughs> Dogen in the temple. It's Pillgate. Sound number seven. What's that? It's a baseball. speak pretty good English for someone who needs a translator. We both know that I don't need a translator. Then why do you have one? Because I have to remain separate from the people I'm in charge of. It makes it easier when they don't like the decisions I make for them. Who are you? My name is Dogen. Are you from here? The island? I was brought here like everyone else. What do you mean, brought here? You know exactly what I mean. You didn't give your friend the pill, did you? No. 
Why not? Because I don't know what's in it. It will eliminate the infection. Yeah, I got that. But what's in it? I cannot explain. Try. There isn't any time. He'll die. He already died. What is in it? You just have to trust me. I don't trust myself. How am I supposed to trust you? Let's see where trust gets us. Now, are you going to tell me what's in it? Poison. Now, look, look at Jack here. Look at the big balls on Jack yeah. swallowing a poison pill to see if Dogen calls his bluff. Um, this was another bit of feedback from Dallin Servo, who had said, what if the darkness in Saeed is similar to a Horcrux and that the poison pill wouldn't necessarily kill Saeed, but it would kill the Horcrux? The pill would kill Jack because there's no darkness in him. So that's why Dogen forces it out of him. Could the pill just be killing the poison in Saeed and not Saeed himself? So just like, let's just like talk through like now that we know that it's poison, like that piece of it is that an explanation that sits with you that seems way too selective in my opinion and i guess you know if you're invoking another magical franchise that might be the case but to be like oh this will only kill the parasite in you but not you but it's also poison enough to kill just a regular person i don't know it doesn't seem like enough of an explanation to me, but it's better than the explanation that Dogen provides, which is literally none. Uh, you know, with him literally just saying, you're just going to have to trust me. That's that's not Jack Shepard. Dogen has a fundamental misunderstanding of who Jack Shepard is a person over the course of this episode, despite Lennon wanting to refer to him on a last name basis. They really don't know anything about this guy. Yeah, uh, my goodness. I I feel like um, just just kill the guy. Just feed him the poison. Why are we going through the rigmarole of Jack having to be the guy? It's it's so annoying. It's oh god, it's so frustrating. Yeah, uh, like you know, I love headcanoning stuff. This is really hard to headcanon. Even Down's uh, explanation is like is decent, like pretty good. I, when when he says it's poison and he is effectively saying like uh when he's asked like why would you want to kill saeed he's not going to say we don't want to kill saeed it's not what he's going to say you know um mm-hmm. so like he does want to kill saeed then take him at face value just kill the guy don't why 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 have to like have it be jack why does it have to come from somebody he tried like why all of this just gesturing at all of this it's just it's so frustrating it speaks to all the things that we're talking about with the temple others already we yeah. don't need to go too deep into it i think that we're all in agreement no. here that it's no good not to mention i i just don't like the explanation as well of like well the reason why i pretend i don't speak english is to remain separate from the people i'm in charge of right this idea of like well if they complain about the decisions i make if i pretend i don't understand them then they can't complain i don't know man that's how you get a mutiny on your hands in my opinion if they're like oh we could easily trick this guy he doesn't speak english he doesn't know what's going on it just seems like dogan's a terrible leader 
I think I can finally say it. Just after everything he's been doing in this episode, like, he has no idea what he's doing. I think he's become very lucky that the Temple Others have such abundantly blind faith that they're like, sure, Dogen, we'll listen to you. We'll do whatever you want, considering that he is ruling on such a flimsy premise and is doing so many things wrong in trying to convince people to do things that I think he got extraordinarily lucky he was saddled with a bunch of dinguses walking around barefoot in the temple. Yeah, my gosh. I really dislike it. Anyway, well, we're not finished with them just yet. Um... In the final sideways scene of the episode, um, a detective shows up looking for Joan Hart. Do we have to put sideways Joan Hart on the Kate alias list? I don't know, because she's technically only used, like, I guess, do we count that as the, if she was taking on an identity, maybe this is just making it easier for us, I would say so. But I feel like in this case, she's not, right? If she was being Joan Hart, the cab driver, I would say maybe, if there was a story behind it. But if it's just, hey, I'm signing in here so nobody knows Kate Austin signed in, then I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, uh, I think I'm fine to just, like, loop it in with the classic Joan Hart. I don't really need the alias. Either way, uh, Kate and Claire are going to say ta-ta for now, not forever. Uh, They will still have some time together here in the Sideways, but it is the end of the Sideways storyline. Let's listen in. Sound... Eight. Thanks. Sure. Thank you. Why, why are they after you? What did you do? Would you believe me if I said I was innocent? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Go. Oh, wait. Um, here, take my credit card. No, there's not much of a limit on it, but something. You don't have to do this. You didn't have to do what you did either. Aaron's a great name. I don't know why I said it. It's like I don't know. I knew it or something. You should keep him. Well, um, good luck. Yeah. Me too. Thanks. I think this is a really sweet scene. Yeah, I do. Um... Because we, you know, we've been spending all of this time trying to get these two characters back together. Uh, and, like, we're not there in, like, the way that it's supposed to go down um, on the island in island time quite yet. We've still got some work to do there. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, knowing that, like, Kate's journey has been trying to get to Claire for so long and having them have this moment together that is so about um, you know, this this child that they both care about so much in their living life and clearly still care about so much in this world as well, um, I think is uh is is a really, really nice thing. I think it is the yeah. the best uh sideways scene of the episode for sure. Yeah, I really love this connection over the name Aaron. Again, it's it's just this recollection, right? This gut feeling between the two of this was the right name. And even though Kate's not saying like, oh, this woman's fundamentally important. I need to stay around her. It's more so, yeah, 
it just it feels like a good name. I don't know why. And I think it really calls back to, again, despite the fact that it's been such a long time since these two women have had a scene together. You know, this is Kate's motivation. It's going to be her motivation for the entirety of season six. They have such tied destinies between this child that I think him serving as the connector, because let's remember, you know, what's going to wake Kate up doesn't have anything to do with someone like Jack or Sawyer. It's going to be Aaron being born. I think that's that's a great reminder about how complete Kate's arc is. And I would also say, I think from a sideways perspective, this is a great introduction to Claire. We'll get more into the Claire of it all coming up in season six and whether or not her on island introduction necessarily works. But I really like how they introduce her in the sideways. I know it was a big deal that Emily DeRabin was coming back for season six. And I think this is a really great way to reintroduce us to the Claire character, even though it's, you know, under much different circumstances than the way she is on the island. Yeah, um, I think like getting a little bit of classic Claire is nice, uh, and I think Emily DeRavin still's got it. She still got it, you know. Like I think she still mm-hmm. has the still has that Claire. Though I'm her. sure she's not happy to be like, oh crap, I got to strap on the pregnant belly again for the first time since 2004. Yeah. Uh, she's got to put it back on. Um, back on island time, Kate fills up her canteen. Sawyer goes inside. We will check back in with Sawyer next week. The substitute going to be a mm-hmm. great time. Really looking forward to that. Um, Jack is going to drink some tea. Uh, Ted Lasso would spit it out uh, with Dogan and Lennon. Maybe Dogan would make him spit it out because that's also poison. Uh, yeah. He says, why would you want to kill Saeed? Uh, and Dogan says, we believe he has been. And he says a word that I hear as misunderstood uh, And uh, Lennon says that the closest translation is he's been claimed. Um, yes, there's a darkness growing in him, and once it reaches his heart, everything your friend once was will be gone. And how do you know that? Because it happened to your sister. Bum, bum, bum. And then this is where we get Claire. Squirrel baby Claire gets introduced here, where Aldo and Justin are able to somehow... I mean, I guess Justin was the tracker if they're able to somehow find Jin, despite the fact that like he's probably a while away from where they got knocked out. Aldo basically says, people won't pay no mind if we just leave a body in the jungle. And Justin is going to make a reference to something that's going to start to get introduced as soon as next episode, right? This idea of he's one of them. Jin's going to make a break for it. Run into a freaking bear trap. I mean, I know we talk about Claire being the new Rousseau, but Claire's traps are much, much, much more extreme than Rousseau's ever were. They're very intense, but one thing that Claire has that Rousseau didn't is a direct alliance with the man in black. So the man in black are like, oh, no, 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 you got, I know where there's some bear traps. Like, this shit will really hurt. Like, right, because like, I would imagine that, you know, he probably, maybe he went to Hydra Island to pick some up, or she did. Yeah, Rousseau can't sneak into Hydra Island to grab things for the polar bears or anything. Correct. Um, so, yeah, so Claire shows up, mercifully kills Aldo, uh, instant LVP point. I appreciate the assist from Claire. Uh, and she shoots Justin, who is not. Uh, killed, uh, though he's going to pretend to be killed, uh, but it's not going to work. And then Jin sees that it's Claire, and there she is with the wig. Danielle Rousseau is dead. Long live Danielle Rousseau. Uh, that is what Kate does. Yes. The episode. 
So I guess this this goes bears uh, you know repeating Josh from the beginning of this episode is this your least favorite episode of season six so far Yeah and so like I you know like I had given across the sea the ceremonial two point three it really just doesn't sit with me to put what Kate does higher than across the sea because I think at least across the sea is interesting and aiming for something and I really don't know what this is aiming for this like feels like it's it's like it's it, it feels fillerish you know like it feels mm. like all right we're still just trying to figure out what we want to do here which is a show's right to like take a little bit of time to figure out how they want their season to shake out and there's like very very real um you know production realities that are facing everybody that like they got to get the scripts out they got to start turning it around all of that stuff um but i feel like man um for the final season, like you got, you gotta, you know, you can't miss. Like, I mean, like you can, you, you don't have to like hit, you know, dead center bullseye, but like you can't miss this wildly. And I think that this is like, a, it's, it's not a good episode of the show. It is like in the conversation mm-hmm. for me of like one of like the worst episodes of the show is, is what Kate does. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's stuff in here that I, that I really enjoy. Uh, I of think course, that, that's with every episode of Lost. You know, no episode of Lost is like a total like throw it out, uh, burn it with fire. Not even fire plus water, right? Like, not even um, whatever the case may be. Like, there's always something in these episodes that makes me happy to have watched it. I would prefer to have watched it than to not have watched it. Um, and I think in the case here, um, the uh, that Sawyer and Kate scene on the dock especially is just, like, so excellent that this is going to boost this um, past the level of um like my lowest of the low episodes which was um uh which is the combination platter of whatever the case may be and adrift but just a scooch mm. above that and just a scooch below across the sea for me i'm giving what kate does a 2.2 i'm trying to be harsh now so to like make some of like the highs of some of the things that are to come hopefully like stand out a little bit more um but i also just like have to be honest like if i gave whatever the case may be that low of a score like how am i not giving what kate does like a fairly comparable score um and i just don't find yeah. anywhere near as interesting as across the sea so it's i hate doing it but ultimately it's uh it's a relatively easy call to give this a pretty low 2.2 yeah, so I'm going to be in the same boat as you, actually. I'm going to give it a 2.2 as we're leaving this fairy dock together. I still like it better than Across the Sea, because I think while Across the Sea is more interesting, Across the Sea has more misses, in my opinion, than What Kate Does. I would say What Kate Does is a safe episode that fails versus Across the Sea, which tries to accomplish way too much and fails. But I would say comparing it to other episodes, you know, I initially gave this a 2.5, which I would put on the same level as Born to Run, but I think Born to Run has stronger stuff in it. While there is some frustrating on-island stuff, I really like the build-up to the raft launch. I think the flashback is is really keen. I still think that the flash sideways stuff is probably the strongest material here, but that being said, it's still not incredibly strong i think there's a lot of suspect circumstances that you have to kind of explain away i think it's great to see claire again but i would not say it's as pivotal stuff to the character of kate and her arc than something like born to run so i shifted it down a little bit i was thinking about i gave the i gave the other woman a 2.3 i gave whatever the case may be a 2.1 i think it's somewhere in between so i ended up going with the 2.2 i think the other woman is an episode that I enjoyed watching more that I became less frustrated by. 
And whatever the case may be, I think much like what Kate does has some good character stuff in it. Uh, like that's those C and D plots, but I think it unfortunately gets marred by a lot of the like frustrating character moments as well as just really not moving the plot forward in any way, shape, or form. So I think it's going to settle there for me. Like you said, a little bit more of a mix from the hatchlings uh, I have seen as low as, uh, I think actually we might be, no, I've seen a 1.9. A couple 1.9s, uh, I see. A couple 1.9s that I've seen as high as a 3.5, and so that's going to put it at a 2.41, which actually ties it right now with Across the Sea uh, at number two for season six so far. Yeah. Um, you know what? Give me Across the Sea every day of the week because it's interesting. Like, I would rather like a bold failure than sort of like a tepid failure, I think. Um, like a failure mm. that's trying um, than like an episode that's just sort of there. And especially in the final season. And I almost feel like... Um, I almost feel like I should have this lower than uh, than whatever the case may be in a drift, but I'm just gonna st- I'll stay where I am. It's fine. I'll keep it at a two point two. But like, there is a piece of me that's like, I feel like this is an episode I would prefer to watch less than than those two. But um, I don't know. I'm just gonna keep it where it is. Um, okay. Well, let's get into the feedback. Mike, we got a little bit to go through uh, from Joanne, the Pistons fan, your friend and mine. Joanne writes in and asks, are characters like Arst and Froger truly in the Flash Sideways universe, or are they just constructs put there by our main characters? Um, an interesting question. Mike, I know that Damon Lindelof just did an interview with The Storm, which finished their Lost rewatch recently. Which is great, because Damon Lindelof also revealed that he not only was a guest, but a Storm listener as well. And God help you, oh Damon Lindelof, if you actually <laughs> listen to Down the Hatch. Like, we're so I sorry. Have, we're, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. Uh, we love you. We, we we just bagged an episode of your show. We love the show so much. Uh, my God. Um, but, no, uh, but, but let's be let's be candid. He never made it past <laughs> DJ Dom. He listens to us play yeah, that sure, eight sure, times sure, in a row. Sure, He's sure. like, let's get we these jamokes out of my That's ears. That's fine. That's totally fine. Um, but I believe, I haven't had a chance to listen to the interview yet, um, and I don't know when I will. Things are just really busy right now. Um, but um, I I heard like a little bit. I read uh, there was like a Reddit post on um, on uh, the Lost subreddit uh, that was like summarizing a couple of the big takeaways from that interview. One of which I believe was something akin to like um, every main character like had their own Flash Sideways universe basically, and like the one that we're seeing is Jax, um, and like. I like I I don't want to like misrepresent what he said certainly without having listened to it. I that is my understanding based on like the secondhand accounting of it. So I don't I don't know. Um and then like if that if that is sort of like the writer perspective and something that that would be something fairly new that that Damon is talking about now um that I think would be worth some examination at at a certain point. Um but if it were something like that then yeah, like I think um some of these people being constructs would make some measure of sense that these aren't like it's not actually Arston Froger, it's like what Kate and Claire perceive of as yep. Arston Froger. That's my logic, is that I think everyone who was in the church sans Ben, I guess, created that world. And it, it sucks because that's a little uh, Arst X-esque, right, from Expose, right, of all these people are out doing all these things, that all that matters is them. And that is sort of like the solipsistic worldview that they are literally building in the Flash Sideways, is that I do believe that it was built by committee, but only among these characters. And so I do think the constructs of literally everyone else, except those who end up in the church, again, and Ben, I think are just avatars. 
uh, from the legendary birthday king, Eric Divestein. Eric writes in and says, Claire's decision to invite her carjacker to meet with her potential baby adopter seems very odd. Do you think her real consciousness has started to awaken and given her the feeling that Kate is important to her baby? I don't know if it's re- starting to awaken as much as, again, we all get these weird sort of gut feelings, right? This idea of, I, I don't know why, but I just feel like, I mean, to be fair, Kate also, I wouldn't say reciprocated, but did oddly come back and be like, can I give you a ride somewhere after pushing you out of this car? So I think Claire is also feeling very vulnerable to, I think it's a combination of her characteristics and probably the gut feeling of, this is probably somebody I should trust, as odd as that is to say in this world. Yeah. Um, I think that there could be something there. Like, I think, like, there are these moments of people, like, getting closer and closer, but we're not seeing, like, any of that flash stuff, right? Like, we're not seeing any of, like, those, uh, you know, like, the the glimpses of the quote-unquote island world, like, the real world. So, I don't know. I think that there could be some... I think that there's certainly some measure of drift, right? People are kind mm-hmm. of, like, getting caught in each other's orbit to a... Caught in each other's nets, as it were. Um, uh, from the great Brendan Fitzpatrick, Fitzy says, the Temple plotline would have been so much better if they had just told the candidates what was going on and why they needed to stay. Um, yep, and you get yep. the sense that they know what the candidates are, right? I mean, if, our, if, if Aldo seems to know... Uh, if Justin and Aldo seem to be like, he may be one of them, then like, and also, again, a retroactive demerit for Richard Alpert for not knowing about these things. It's just like, it, it just really goes to show just a life lesson. Communication is key. Like, don't get it away on either petty high school bullshit and be like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody to, you know, I don't want to tell this person to piss them off, even though they'll find out anyway. Or try to keep up this guise of mysteriousness. Because chances are, if you want to convince somebody to do something, you have to present them with, like, a logical, cogent argument. Right, Josh? You and I have watched so much reality TV that we know that is how you make a pitch. That is how you convince someone to vote with you in a game like Survivor. It's not to be like, oh, you have to do this thing. I won't tell you why or two or what, but just do this thing. No, usually if you come to them, give them much more specifics, they're going to be able to digest those facts and move forward with it rather than just blindly following you. So, yeah, it's it's a huge demerit in the category of the AOJs of just saying, no, just go with it. Trust me. You got to trust me on this one. We just met earlier today, but I think you should believe me on this one. Please poison your friends. And then lastly, um, we asked last time if anybody had theories about the sunken island and trying to like make sense of that for the sake of the show. We got a couple of hits on that. I want to read two of them. One is from your friend and mine, the legendary Joe Garfine, uh, who, wrote, who wrote to us on Twitter and said, I interpreted the sunken island to be a collective wish from the afterlife island folks that no one else has to experience what they did to get to to where they are now that time was the most important they spent together but that location mostly bad memories and experiences i really love this read uh this idea of like it was a sucky experience but it was a necessary experience and almost like that underwater landscape is a monument to the island right how important it was uh but the fact that in this world it does not exist i think is a really fun idea could it have been improved by better cgi absolutely Uh, yeah but 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 that also does beg the question though because i do recall that benjamin linus did live on the island for some portion of time, did he not? I'm pretty sure in the Flash Sideways world, he says that he lived on the island briefly with Roger when he worked with the Dharma Initiative. So, was this another 
island? Was this the exact copy of the island? Was this a Bopo island, a clone island? I mean, for him, uh, that location obviously was still crucial. So, like, if that's the case, you know, and, like, maybe it sunk because... He blew it. I don't know. Uh, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer wrote in as well, uh, being pretty thumbs down on the scene itself, but offered uh, an explanation for it. Jennifer says, concisely, uh, the iron is irrelevant. In this new sideways world, it doesn't even exist. No one is searching for it. No one is stranded on it. No one is looking to go back to it. No one is tortured by the trauma of it. Perhaps the function of this reveal is to inform the viewers to, quote unquote, let go. It's all about the characters now. Yeah, I like that idea, too. Uh, this was foundationally important. It doesn't need to be the focus of this, right? For lack of a better term, it's not about the island and its mysteries. It's about the people, much like the show proper. So I like what that represents. Uh, the more that I think about it and the more that I talk about it. This is why I love the hatchlings, too. You and I come in with our dumb thoughts of like, oh, why do they do this? And then people come in with really smart ideas about it. And we are eternally grateful for that. Let's get into the MVP LVPs. Uh, I've got three LVPs and you've got two. You've got three MVPs. I've got two. The LVPs are easiest to do really, really quickly. You and I both dumped on Dogen and Aldo each, and I gave a bonus shot to Lennon for being rendered useless by Dogen's decision mm. to speak English. To speak English yeah. to the rest of the, the cast. Lennon literally has no purpose now. So it's a double Dogen, double Aldo with a shot of Lennon. Yeah, these two are the worst uh, between Aldo just being a big brutish a-hole and Dogen trying and failing to manipulate Jack. That's the other thing as well is like you can say what you want to about his motivations and his methods. But the fact of the matter is Jack sees completely through his BS. And so it really is impossible to not give him a good amount of LVP points this episode for what he attempts to do. Yeah, so uh, we have Lennon and Dogen are trying to play catch up with Mother's negative five, Dogen at negative three, Aldo at negative two, but he won't progress. I I think Dogen's going to pass Mother. I think think it's likely. I think Lennon may as well. Uh, Lennon currently has negative two, but we've got more time to spend with both of these guys. Um, The MVPs are spread out. Uh, Unique MVP points for uh, all five categories, for all five spots. Mike, you've got three, so why don't you start us off? I'm going to give one to Jack to start it off here, because like I said before, I think Jack has a really subtly big episode here. I think it's an important lesson for him to learn. The fact he's able to call Dogen's bluff, the fact that he's able to have the correct read and not kill Saeed by giving him poison. I think this this is actually a good episode for Jack, both from an arc perspective and from like a character's behaving well perspective. Yeah, I love that. Um, my two kind of go in tandem with each other, so I'll just do them both in one shot. Um, Sawyer and K. Uh, I think that they both have such an excellent scene together on the pier. Um, Sawyer, like, first of all, Sawyer being able to just, like, continuously beast mode the temple others and escape from the temple. And then all off screen again. uh, And then Kate being able to convince the temple others, like, let me go. And she succeeds at that. I mean, should that be a demerit against the temple others or is it a point in favor of Kate? I'm giving it as a point in favor of Kate. um, But Uh it is it is strengthened in both of those cases by the incredible acting from both Josh Holloway and Evangeline. 
Damian Lilly in that scene on the pier. And then I guess like to further underscore why Kate is getting an MVP point this week is it it should be a demerit against law and order and perhaps tactically not wise for Kate to return to the scene of the crime with the taxi cab, but she gets away with it. Uh, so I'm happily giving uh, Sawyer and Kate both an MVP point. This episode is not good, um, but I don't blame it on Evangeline Lilly or Kate as a character. Yeah, I think the Kate sideways is more of a wash, but I guess if Kate on island is more of a net positive, then that makes sense. And let me go with two people for their more so sideways performances in this episode, though. So I'm going to give my first one to Claire, which I think also comes a bit in at the end. Like, I'm going to give Claire kudos for the fact that she kills Aldo and enables yeah. to be able to knock Thank out you Justin. For doing like, that. Pretty badass, but also I, I'm happy to wait. Welcome back, Emily DeRaven. I think she's able to, you know, be a good buddy to to Kate by not ratting her out to the cops when she very easily could do so, considering she carjacked her and is a wanted murderer. And I'm gonna give a point, mommy excluded, to Ethan for being able to do his job, be a good doctor, calm Claire down. Also for offering her the choice, right? Like being very simple with, hey, this is what you can do. You don't need to if you don't want to, but I just want to present you the opportunity to do so. Like, I think actually Ethan as a doctor is arguably better than Jack as a doctor sometimes in terms of a bedside manner. So again, strike mommy from the record and i think it's an even better episode for ethan but he does he does some good stuff here uh so we are at smoke monster still the king of the ring uh for season six with four points total and that may go up next week with the substitute um but we got a couple of people in the twos john Locke uh from the sideways is coming in strong with two points uh as well as his brief appearance in across the sea and who are you going to give mvp points to there otherwise uh sawyer has two jack has two and then a whole mess of ones kate's on the board Saeed's on the board. Claire's on the board. Hurley's on the board. Not going to get Ethan again, but he's on the board, and so is Claudia, uh, the original mother. Uh, so it is a, it's a diverse lineup that we've got here right now, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how this moves going forward next week is The Substitute. It is, uh, it is about Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> like, yes. You know, it is a yep, Terry it's, O'Quinn it's a- episode. Yeah, we've taken a, be- a brief respite from John Loki, right, after he is his big mask-off moment. He gets a week off, but now he comes back in full force. He's got several plans in motion. He's trying to recruit Richard Alpert. He's trying to recruit Sawyer. And, I mean, this is going to be a big episode. This is going to be the reveal of the cave, and we'll obviously find out much more about that in Lighthouse coming up afterwards. But, like you said, we also get some John Locke stuff. We find out that, yes, his life is slightly better than it was on, uh, you know, in, in our timeline, but not that much. Poor John Locke is unfortunately going to get some uh, some other bad things served to him over the course of The Substitute. Yeah, I think a really strong episode, one of my favorite Season 6 episodes coming up next week, so I'm really, really hyped to get into it. Uh, so get your feedback in down the hatch at Post Show recaps.com that is always the best way to send in your stuff down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com for all things the substitute coming your way next week uh, next Friday coming two days early for the patrons of post show recaps one of the many perks that you get for signing up for the Patreon uh, you get down the hatch a couple of days early you also get to watch the episodes of Lost alongside myself and Mike if you are a member at the Discord level so consider signing up patreon.com slash 
post-show recaps. The one-year anniversary of the post-show recaps Patreon program is just around the corner. Aww. It's all month long in October. We would appreciate it so much uh, to, to see you around uh, our parts during that month. Uh, so if you're like thinking about it, you want to wait until October, totally get it. But we'd love to see you uh, if you're thinking about it. Uh, it would mean the world to us and all of the work that we're doing over here. So consider it. Um, Mike Bloom, anything else? No, I mean, if you're listening to this, depending on when you are, another island show that has not sunk so much uh, is coming back, Survivor 41. I'm doing a butt ton of coverage for that. I've already done so much preseason stuff for it. I'll be doing Exit Press. I'll be doing podcasts for it as well. So, hey, if you're into more island-based shows, we're not going much to the sideways, though. I think, actually, we might be seeing some off-island footage for the first time in Survivor 41. But be sure to check that out if you're interested. Otherwise, lots of Big Brother stuff, as well as we're closing up the season. And if we're talking about other scripted stuff, uh, I was on the Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good podcast this past week doing a Brant Steel. You know we love a Brant Steel here on PSR of Curb Your Enthusiasm characters. So again, it's it's a uh, it's very extracurricular since I know we're going to school next week. But if you have any interest in that, check out all the stuff that I'm doing at a Mike Bloom type. Oh my god! All right, and I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back next week with the substitute, except no substitute. There is only one down the hatch, and it's coming your way next week. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.